0: If you haven't turned there yet, turn to First Thessalonians chapter 2. That's where we're going to start. I will tell you right now, my fingers and my voice, completely out of shape. I took too long a break from up there, folks. I have no idea what I was doing this morning. <laughs> that would have been a great time for the laugh track, Nick. It is good to see everybody. I, last week we talked about fruitful evidence, and I tell you, I'm starting with the talking and mentioning that because something happened when these people turned to serve God, and this fruitful evidence got all the way back to Paul about what was happening in this community of believers. And I thought about the mission, I know God is at work at salvation, it's His work, And I know, God, it was work in the hearts of these people. But he sent missionaries there, men on a mission, and how did they minister? What happened there? And that's what we're going to talk about. Folks, if you're in 1 Thessalonians, we're going to read 12 verses here in chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and had been uh, shamefully treated at Philippi, As you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so Excuse me. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we not, might not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Those are our 12 verses today. That's our text. But real quick, before we dive into this, can you turn, turn right back or look at chapter 1. Let's look, look at verse 5. You're right there, chapter 1, verse 5. This is going to be our jumping off point. This is kind of our foundation. It says this, because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You know. Folks, this is an appeal to their remembrance of how Paul and his team conducted themselves in ministry while they were with them. The words you know, which is repeated many times in our text, is an appeal to this remembrance. Um, It's an awareness also to the history of what these men have gone through in order to get there and while they're there in their conduct. So it boils down to integrity and it boils down to pure motives. What is the motive? i got to repeat this. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you. Now, that's a powerful sentence that we have to unpack. What was Paul's, Silas's, and Timothy's motive for coming to the people in Thessalonica? Because from the very start, the verse says, as you know, we did not come in vain. There is a reason for our being here among you. Now, is this part of the letter an apology from Paul? Is is it is it a defense as to as to why he left or their conduct conduct why they were there? Um, is it is it him defending? Uh, uh, The accusations that are coming at him, maybe accusations are surfacing regarding their motives or their integrity as missionaries, because Paul had enemies that pointed the finger right at him and accused him of false teaching. They accused him of false motives. Is Paul anticipating concerns that might arise over their absence, leading people to believe maybe that they had impure or misleading motives in ministering to the Thessalonians? Well, in the study, and at the end of the day, I will tell you it's this, we can see Paul is defending these missionaries' integrity, their true motives. He's defending in, in respect to their mission and presenting the gospel in a worthy manner. I'm going to repeat that. We can see that Paul is defending the missionaries' integrity, their motives. He's defending them. And it's in respect to their mission and their time there when they presented the gospel in a worthy manner. So, the character of Paul's gospel witness, along with Silas and along with Timothy, is a model for you and it's a model for me to follow because Paul's motive stemmed from his passionate commitment to serve both God in proclaiming his word and in serving. His people. But passion is the key word here. I'll come back to that. Church family, please know that this team, and when I'm talking about the team, I'm talking about Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're a missionary team. They had already suffered in Philippi. They, uh, before entering Thessalonica, this happened. They were shamefully beaten. They were arrested, and they were thrown in jail. Not a happy time. But he says the people knew this. The words he uses, as you know. The people knew this. So what is Paul stressing? He's saying this. Regardless of the suffering, before they entered Thessalonica, regardless of the suffering, they came in boldness, not in themselves. It was not self-generated. It came from their relationship to God as bearers of the gospel. So they came to them in boldness. Now, this boldness in God has led Paul to declare the gospel even in the midst of conflict. Family, we know how hard it is to present God in this day and age. Now, throw conflict in the middle of that as you try, and it's a struggle. But for Paul, He had boldness. Timothy and Silas, they had boldness as they entered Thessalonica. Now, in our text, Paul is distinguishing his ministry from the false teachers of the day and, of course, those speakers seeking selfish gain. Let me explain. There were various religions, there were various philosophies, and they were taught throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, Thessalonica was no different. It was a breeding ground for this type of philosophy and teaching as well, and it ran rampant, okay? Um, Many of these speakers, they employed their eloquent speaking skills. They had honed in on these skills in order to convince and, of course, persuade others. That was their talent. Their motives were purposed in gain, such as food, um, a place to stay, Uh, possibly money. Of course it's money. Always it's money, right? And there were others who presented medicinal remedies. There were others who presented magical cures, um, those who claimed to foretell the future. Um, uh, And these motives of these speakers, they were for some form of gain. So in all these numerous speakers that were making their claims, presenting their different forms of persuasion to the people, it would be very easy for a false teacher with impure motives to slip in, even finding their way into the church, which did happen. So, what was the gain? What was the motive? It was unrighteous gain. uh, They had impure motives in doing this. Now, Paul stated this. In our text, he says, we didn't come in error, meaning, you know what, we didn't wander from the truth. We are speaking the truth that has been entrusted to us by God Himself. We didn't come in impurity. No, 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 no. We do not have unclean motives. We're not looking to take advantage of you in any way because we are morally corrupt. Nope. Nope. We are not looking for that. We are not looking for ill-gotten gain in sex, in power, and in money, which is what a lot of these people were looking for. We didn't come to deceive you. We are not making this stuff up to further our interests. Paul's explaining this because this is what he's up against. This is the competition that is in Thessalonica. And you have to picture You have to really think about it and imagine the the kind of environment that bred these false teachings. And that's what Paul was smack dab in the middle of. So he says, Our intent, our purpose, our motive, it originates with the love for God and His Word. Paul states that we have been approved, we have been entrusted with the gospel, and I love this. So we speak. He says, so we speak. Other speakers that cross your path, hey, they may very much want to please you. They may really and truly want to please your ears. We do not. This is the missionaries. We are not looking to please your ears. We only want to please God, so we speak. Not words of flattery, which could… And listen, words of flattery, folks, could have created doubt as to whether their message was trustworthy or not, okay? You know when someone comes up to flattery, you're like, okay, what do you want or what's going on here? So they did not use words of flattery. Uh, They did not use a, 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 a pretext for greed. There was no pretext for greed. There was no financial gain in play. And he says, you know this, and there it is again. Paul is reminding the Thessalonians that you know all this because we provided fruitful evidence to you. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you. That was the verse we read in chapter 1, verse 5. You know. So the very God who has approved us, who has entrusted us, He is our witness Paul contrasts his team's approach with that of the other teachers and the other philosophers who would use words of flattery, who would use words of deception, who would use words that had an agenda and a purpose that that it lacked integrity, it lacked purity. They sought no glory from the people. This is Paul and his team. They sought no glory from the people of Thessalonica or anyone else. However, Paul says, we do have a right… I do have a right as an apostle of Jesus Christ to receive compensation, but he refused. He refused to receive. He did not want to be a burden to this new church. He gave this right up for the sake of the gospel. He gave this right up for the benefit of the church. But what gets me in all this, as I think about all this, what gets me is the words in verse 4 that say, so we speak. We speak. See, in leaving the suffering that they had endured in Philippi and, and, then, and then entering into a new place that would present its own obstacles, that would present its, its own conflict and threats, not seeking financial gain, uh, not, not you can tell there was no selfish ambition afoot. Uh, they were not seeking glory. They were not trying to gratify their own vanity. They were not trying to line their own pockets. But still the words, so we speak. And it got me this week. I'm like, okay, well, what was their motivation in this action? For so we speak. What was their motive behind this worthy manner as they ministered? I talked about passion earlier. I talked about passion. Paul was passionate about about his love for God. He was passionate about, about his word. You know, I look around the room and I see some strong, strong couples. And I know a lot of people, your husband or your wife may have passed on. But I look at the marriages that have just been within our congregation. And we're talking solid years. We're talking, you guys have been married, some of you, longer than I've been alive. Praise God. That's amazing. Now, could you imagine after you said your I do's, That very first fight, I'm sure you've had a little disagreement here and there in your life, right? That very first fight, you go, well, man, we gave it a try. We gave it a whirl, but we're we're disagreeing, I guess we should part ways. This marriage thing's not going to work. No, you didn't do that because you loved your partner. And I've talked to many of you, you're passionate about your partners. A fight is not going to push you away from your partner. You'll live to fight another day, right? So in our battles with our marriages, which we know come up, why do we stick? Why do we stay? Because we're passionate about our partner, right? Our passion for our partners is stronger than a disagreement. It's stronger than an argument. Paul's passion, his passionate commitment to God, was stronger than the threat of suffering, and it was stronger than the present act of persecution that he may have been suffering under at any given time. It didn't compare. His passion motivated him to move forward in his ministry. We see that. And his motives, they were pure because they were based solely on his love for God, because that is his true motive love. So he lived out the words. He lived out the words, so we speak. Paul walked a worthy walk among the people in Thessalonica, and we know from chapter 1 that this resulted in fruitful evidence that the people were changed, a new church sending forth the message of the gospel. Now, this is amazing to me. We've got motive. You know, church is all about reaching and teaching. Maybe you've heard that. We've got motive of why they entered Thessalonica in the first place, to reach this group. But Paul goes on. Paul uses imagery that was direct and that that would be understood by all. A nursing mother taking care of her own children. Now, they came to the people in this kind of gentleness, gentleness like a nursing mother, affectionately desirous. Did you see those words we read today? Affectionately desirous is used to bring the care and love of this nursing mother with how Paul, Silas, and Timothy feel about the Thessalonians. Now, that's amazing, is that they allow the nursing mother imagery to portray how they feel About the Thessalonians. We are affectionately desirous of you, meaning, not only did they want to share the gospel with them, but also their own selves, their lives. They say, because you have become very dear to us. Like a nursing mother shares of herself with her child when she nurses, she is sharing of herself, correct? Uh, Paul wanted to share of himself with this church. I want to be gentle with you because I am affectionately desirous of you. You are dear to me. And this was part of the worthy manner in which they conducted themselves. But there's even more. There's even more that separated and distinguished their ministry from all these others that were kind of infiltrating this area of Thessalonica. There's even more. It says that I don't want to be a burden. Paul didn't want to be a burden to them. It's true Paul and his team did receive financial help from other churches. It's true. That is a truth. But he did not ask for anything from those uh, that he was presently ministering to. He didn't want to do that. And we see this here in his time in Thessalonica. When he's presenting the, uh, the, the the message, he did and ministering to a certain people group, he did not want to ask for financial help, which separated him. And how do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that he labored day and night. He toiled, right, so that the others were not, uh, uh, so that, that, that he and the others were not a burden to any of them while they stayed there. They toiled day and night. While they still worked as missionaries proclaiming the gospel, they worked. What was Paul? How did he work? Well, Paul was a tent maker, a tent maker. He had a trade. He could go town to town and make tents, fix tents, patch tents. Tents were a big thing back then. And, And this was a trade that he could work hands on. So they saw him working to provide for himself and his team, but they also saw him proclaiming the gospel. And Paul says this, so you are a witness. You saw this. You are a witness. God is a witness to our conduct with you. We're holy, we're righteous, and blameless. Our motives are pure. And he goes, for you know, (laughs) and there are those two words again, and appeal to the people to remember Paul and his team's conduct. For you know. And then he goes on to this. He says, for you know how, like a father with his children. Now, first we get the image of the nursing mother, the maternal, and now we are uh, given the message of the father, the paternal, right? And like a father, we exhorted, we encouraged. Back in both of Jewish and Greek antiquity, um, fathers looked after their children's education and, of course, trained them. In uh, their proper behavior, so as a father, Paul is encouraging, he's exhorting, and he's charging these people to walk in a worthy manner. In other words, he's saying this: imitate us. Paul says that a lot. Imitate us. So, when Paul makes use of the word walk, okay, to depict the Christian life, that's what he's doing walk is depicting the Christian life. So this walk conveys an ongoing effort to pursue a certain path, and we are all on our Christian walk, pursuing that path. Now, of course, Paul's hope is that they would proceed through life, this walk, in a manner that God would endorse, in a a, a manner that would please God. Paul's hope is that they would, would proceed that way. But again, what is Paul and his co-workers' motive in this kind of service and in this kind of behavior directed to the Thessalonian church? Well, let's put Paul in an interrogation room. You know, think of the old movies where you got the metal chair, sit there, and you got the little table, and you put the light in his face. Let's interrogate Paul for a second. Paul, we got you. We know why you came. We got your motive for why you came here. For your reason, coming to Thessalonica, we know. But we need you to explain why you treated the people this way. Why you and your co-workers conducted yourself in this manner. Explain your behavior because it's different from everybody else. What was your motive in all this? You know, let me ask you something. Does behavior affirm motive? Does behavior expose motive? Or does motive expose behavior you know I think both and I'll tell you why whatever our motive is it motivates us into action you'd agree with that whatever our motive is it motivates us into action and whatever actions we may act upon well it takes us right back to motive doesn't it but I'll tell you this and please hear me God is interested in our motives even more than our actions. Even more than our actions, like Paul said, God tests the heart. Folks, he and he alone knows the heart, and he knows the motives that pour out from it. You can't hide your motives from God. You can hide it from me, you can hide it from others, but not God. So Paul, tell us, what was your motive in all of this? Because you got to understand, he was standing out. This missionary group was distinguished in how they conducted themselves, you know, sometimes people perceive Paul as a very fervent and intense apostle, right? Kind of on the, on the front line of the gospel battlefield, if you will, um, spreading his entrusted message uh, and moving frequently from city to city, town to town, fervently, yet kind of remaining unconnected, relatively unconnected to the local congregations that he visits and minister to. That's how people, some people perceive Paul in that manner. But Paul was, he he certainly was fervent, and he was a zealous apostle, absolutely, with a profound message. He was bringing a profound message. But church family, these verses display his love for those he ministered to. You can't get around it. The love is displayed. His mission here in Thessalonica was deeply rooted in his affection for the church, all right? He was affectionately desirous. Paul and his colleagues, you know what they did? They put that love on display for all of the church to see. His fondness, his affection for others, it's not restrained, it's on display. So he gladly, he gladly announces his love for them, in part to motivate them in their continued, faith, uh, continued faithfulness to the Lord Jesus. To give them pure motive in ministry. In fact, at the heart of Paul's ministry, at the heart of our ministry, which we all have one, isn't it our faithfulness to God and His Word? Isn't that the heart of it? Of course it is. But you know what? Back to our interrogation of Paul, he gives it all up. All right, I'll tell you my motive, I'll tell you it's love. See, his love for God and his love for God's Word overflowed into his life, bringing him into a place where he genuinely loves and cares for people. That's how passionately committed he was to his love for God and his Word. It overflowed into his life, and that was towards other people. I mentioned that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had put their love on display For the whole church to see, Um, we can see his motive clearly even today. Even today, we can see it. See, not only did they share the gospel, they shared themselves. In fact, five times he appealed to their knowledge of his character. We read it in chapter one of verse five. You know. And then in uh, chapter 2, there's verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, verse 11, all saying, you know, as you know, you yourselves know. See, Paul was bringing to their remembrance who he was and how he walked among them. Their love was on display. They hid nothing. They were witnesses to this. A worthy walk, a worthy walk, one in truth, one in integrity, a life driven by pure motives, They could not deny this. Again, they were witnesses. He put it all out there. Two of the main purposes of church. We said it before, reaching and teaching. Two of the main purposes. Paul did this in Thessalonica. He reached them. We have the motive for him reaching them. We have seen a model for ministry on all levels. Folks, whether you're an elder today, a deacon A trustee, a Sunday school teacher, maybe you are a leader of a small group, a department head, Uh, certainly, certainly what we're about to discover, this text serves as a wonderful model for all of Christ's ministers, which we all are. Everybody here is a minister for Christ's Word. Whether you want that or not, you are a minister, Reaching and teaching. We see that's what Paul and his missionary team are doing in Thessalonica. They reach them and they taught them. So let me ask you, do we have motive in reaching and teaching? I'm putting this on us now. See, Paul loves God. He loves his word. And he's passionately committed to both. And in turn, he loves God's people and has a desire to proclaim his word to his people because he wants to please God. There's the rest of the motive. He wants to please God and present to us, you know, he presents to us in this a model to follow. Now, I was very appreciative of this text because I get to do this weekly. I get to minister to a big group of people, whether it's on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. I get the opportunity and the privilege of reaching and teaching. And and my commitment to God is strong, but I don't want just to be strong. I want to be passionate like Paul. I want a passionate commitment that overflows, where the love overflows, and you guys are on the receiving end of that love. Because see, here it is. The model's a beautiful thing, but let me just tell you this. In our Christian ministry, as messengers, we are to embody and present the gospel message in a worthy manner. We are called to that. And Paul models this for us. You ready? Here it is. He came in boldness, he came in honesty, and he came in love. If you look at our text, He arrived in Thessalonica in boldness. He was honest. Life on display. He was honest. I don't want your money. I'm here. I'll work. I'm going to proclaim God's word to you. He was honest. And he did it in love. We have the mother and we have the father. He did it in love. That is it. And we need this. Just as we see Paul and his team In contrast to the others who had impure or selfish motives, guess what? We have to be set apart from those whose motives don't line up in a worthy manner. Just like Paul was contrasting with all those other people groups there, you and I have to be separated and distinguished. Let me tell you why. Sadly, sadly, in today's churches, there are those who come up with the craziest notions of God. They are redesigning Scripture. They're rewriting it. They're rewriting, rewriting who God is. They're encouraging false ethics. They're encouraging false teachings. And, and you know what? Some of them are seeking to add to their personal wealth by, by expanding their audience by any means. I'm going to be culturally relevant. I'm going to expand my audience. That's what we're up against. Boldness. Honesty love. This recipe, this is the recipe for ministry. It will help us conduct ourselves. Why? Because we need to be like Paul and his team, holy, righteous, and blameless in our conduct. Boldness in proclaiming the Word, honesty in our motives, And allowing our lives, our walk to be on display and love like that of a mother and father who shower a child with compassionate affection. There's your recipe for ministry. There's our formula for being ministers of God's word. I don't care if you get to talk to a huge group like today, I came to you in boldness, I'm coming to you in honesty. And you know I'm coming to you in love. I don't care if you're talking to your child one-on-one or a grandchild. Come to them in boldness, honesty, and love. See, Paul has set this model for us to follow. But I'm going to go back to First Thessalonians 2.4. Look at that in your text. We read it already, but look at it again. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Church, family, what is your motive? Think what is behind the words, so we speak. Now that we've talked about Paul and kind of dissected this text When he says, so we speak, if we left that area and just kind of did a paper trail backwards, look at the volumes of information that we have that lead us to the word, so we speak. The church family, I know there's impure motives and there's pure. We get that. There's right motives. There's wrong motives. But what is your motive in being bold, honest, and loving as you speak about Jesus, so we speak? Or, What is your motive in saying nothing, remaining quiet, not speaking at all, because you have motive in both? Food for thought. Like Paul, I want my love for God and my love for His Word, right, and my love for His people to overflow. I want to be passionately committed to ministering to others and let my Christian walk be on display, I want to reveal boldness. I want to reveal honesty and love so that I walk in a worthy manner pleasing to God. So when we think about the fruitful evidence that Paul heard about in this great change of this new church, we have to realize that these people were ministered to. God sent missionaries to preach to these people. They reached them and they taught them. And how they did it was amidst conflict, threat, persecution, suffering, didn't matter. My passion for this, my passion for you, is stronger than that. In fact, I'm not here to please man at all, I'm only here to please God. I want God's approval, not man's. So I'm gonna speak. So we speak. Our recipe, our model, our formula, however you wanna look at it, no matter if it's one-on-one with somebody, or you're talking to a whole large crowd, we come to proclaim God's Word in boldness. We display our lives and share ourselves in honesty and in love. That's how we reach people. And you may think, Pastor, haven't you been doing that all along? Parts and pieces, of course. But now those three words have simplified things for me, and I want that for you. Because you're ministers of God's Word. Folks, we need to come at those, because of our love for God and how we want to please them, in boldness, honesty, and love. That's what I want, and I want that for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this great apostle. Lord, the change in his life that we got to see how he turned around from persecuting the church to be in persecuted. Father, we see a model for us to follow in ministry because Paul lived it out. He lived the word, so we speak. Father God, that's what I want for myself and for every member of this body. So we speak, Father, in boldness, and honesty, in love. Father, let our motives be pure, when we serve you. Let our motives be pure when we please you. Father, we thank you for this text today. We thank you for this reading. I pray that we grow from it. I pray that we are encouraged by it. I believe everybody here has somebody in their life that needs to hear your story, that needs to have this story shared with them, And God, what you've shown us here is that we're not only sharing your gospel, we're sharing ourselves with another person. And that's where boldness, honesty, and love come into play. Let us be that kind of missionary. Let us be that kind of minister. That's what we're praying for today. Father God, thank you for this wonderful service. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for moving us in a direction, Father, that would please you and that would honor you.